Welcome to the PG Daily. This season is dedicated to financially empowering the residents of Prince George's County. Join our host, Heath Carlock, as he sits down with several financial experts to discuss ways for you to find money, make money, and better understand money. Get ready to be empowered. Today's guests are Richard Baptiste and Dr. Mark Wooten. So before we get lost in the verbiage and the the lofty talk about the promise of these outcomes and understandings, I, I always think, and it, it gives me pause to think that, what does this sound like to somebody who doesn't have money or much money? And why should they take any hope in listening to folks opine or share about the incredible ways in which being responsible with money can lead to incredible personal outcomes and wellness. Uh, What must they think? And were you ever on the other side of this unemployed or on the down on the mat, down and out? Did you know people who have been and have you seen them be able to turn around? Have you seen behavior change, transformation? Have you seen these leaps and gains in people that you've been able to touch and influence? Because there's a lot of hope loss in the community. There was a statistic in 2016 in the region. It's from the Alice Report, which stood for Asset Limited Income Constrained uh, Employed Individuals Mm -hmm. uh, who were at or below the poverty line or just above it. And what must this sound like to somebody who's on the grind even um, or recently unemployed and, and losing their grip on their reality and out of control with their money. Um, what must this sound like? And have you ever been there? And have you ever seen somebody turn that corner? Um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll start uh, with that, Heath. Um, so what does it sound like? It sounds like the impossible mission, the impossible dream, right? If you're down and out, if you're upside down uh, with your, your debt to income, um you know it just sounds like this 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 will never be able to happen uh you know it's 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 a pipe dream you know type of thing um i will tell you that i have personally you know been there um i will tell you that um you know after i graduated college i had no money management exposure prior to graduating college and so you know you graduate from college you get your first job you start to work right and you start to to get income that you control and nobody can tell you what to do with that income so I did what a lot of people do I spent and I spent a lot and I was happy (laughs) when I spent a lot and I, I accumulated credit cards I ran up credit card debt And then, you know, things started to happen that were not very pleasant. I started to get phone calls from my credit creditors wanting payment. They wanted more than just the less than minimum payment that I was making. And and it 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 scared me. And so, you know, I had a lot of credit card debt and I was making okay income as a recent college graduate. Um, but 
Um, man, I, I had a good time buying clothes and going out, whining and dining and hanging out with my friends and um, uh, buying um, um, off-road mountain bikes. Uh, I was a mountain biker and, you know, I did all of those things. Uh, I lived in New Jersey and I used to go into Manhattan and go to the shows and, you know, it was just it was a, a great time. But I was spending a lot of money and not saving, you know, any money. So um, so a, a day I will never forget, I came home to my apartment in New Jersey and I hit my answering machine button. Uh, I must have had about seven or eight uh, messages. And I, I think about half of those messages, if not more, were from debt collectors wanting, you know, payment. And so I remember saying to myself, there's just got to be a better way. And what am I doing? And, and you know, from that day forward, I said to myself, you know what? I've got to find a way out of this, this hole that I've created. Now, one of the things that, that I did that helped me tremendously is that I started to track my money. You know, prior to that, I was not tracking any of my money. I was working and I was getting a paycheck, but I was not tracking what I was spending my money on and what bills I was paying and when I was paying them, if I was paying them on time or late or, you know, I just, I did no tracking whatsoever. So I remember getting uh, some some software uh, way back when um, and starting to track my income as well as my spending. Um, at that time, I wasn't doing any any uh, investing, um, but I started to track, you know, my income and my spending. And once I started to track uh, my income and my spending, it gave me much better visibility in terms of where my money was going and how I needed to prioritize, you know, my money in order to pay down debt and start reducing high interest debt um, above and beyond, you know, paying my core expenses, my rent, you know, my food, my gas, you know, and all of those things. So, um, so I would say for me, uh, the the tracking one, just getting a grip and realizing that you're you're in a situation and you want to take positive action against that situation is the first thing, right? So you've got to identify that you, 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 you want to be on a better path. And then secondly, taking action against that path with practical measures. You know, for me, the practical measure was um, getting some software so I can track my spending and making a deliberate effort on paying down the debt over time that I could um, you know, definitely, definitely made uh, an impact in that. Started to put some money uh, aside for investing, and uh, and and so that was the beginnings of of finding a better path. The second piece that I will tell you from my personal story is that uh, I moved down to the Washington D.C. area, and uh, where I was working and where I was living, I could walk to work. So when I did that. Um, I shut down my car, car insurance, my car was paid for. And so I had no car insurance, no gas uh, bills that I was paying. And I then started pummeling a lot of money against my bills. 
you know, and that particular scenario helped me tremendously to start paying down debt and focusing on, you know, getting a better handle on on my money, my cash flow, um, and starting to accumulate some money, uh, then getting me to think about, you know, net worth and, and beyond. So what about you, Dr. Mark? Uh, how would you describe that for yourself? I don't remember being in a place where I felt like I couldn't make it. I was just always of the mindset, this job isn't paying enough, but I'll just go out and get a second job, a part-time job, something. So I've been bivocational all my life. And uh, just I was early on, my wife and I were in the trap of, can we afford the monthly payment? And that's the wrong way to decide if you can make a purchase. And we would just... We would say, okay, here's our here's our income. Can we find you know another two hundred dollars so we can go buy this second car? And invariably, yeah, well we can get close to it. If not, I'll just work a little longer on the second job or or find some other way to make some uh, additional money. And what part of so, the country were you raised in and came up in? Midwest. I'm a Midwesterner, so I wasn't facing housing prices like they are here in the East Coast, and so. Uh, but we did. We made it a priority that when we were raising children before they got in school, my wife wouldn't work. So a part of that was assumption that I would be doing bivocational. And lo and behold, she, she stayed home. And when they last one went off to to school, then she started working part time, full time jobs as she could. Uh, but I still found myself having to do the bivocational still to make ends meet. So we were uh, not a budgeting family. We weren't tracking our finances beyond can we find enough to make this next purchase that we did. And so I was when I really got serious about my finances, I was in early 50s, and now I'm in early 60s, so 20, 10, 10 to 12 years ago. And at that point where I really got serious, I had three student loans from a doctoral program. I had three or four credit cards, uh, and all but the last one were maxed out. Uh, had two car loans, had uh, the mortgage, had a second. So I, I, was, I was buying everything that the creditor said I could buy for my monthly income, and I was, I was maxed out walking on the edge the whole time. Never felt like it was going to crumble. Never felt like we couldn't make it. Uh, I just, well, I'll go get some extra hours or something. And so I was always just playing that game of uh, there's some way for me to make some more money, so I'll we'll make it somehow. And then the kids started going off to college, and uh, they had uh, once they started leaving the home, then we found out we had um, – some money left over now because we weren't, weren't feeding as many and didn't have as many field trips to pay and mm-hmm. cars to provide and uh, things along that line. So uh, for us, we we got serious about our finances at the same time that our financial obligations began to minimize, and those two made a powerful combination for us. So last 10 years has been pretty dramatic. So this will be an interesting question. We'll shift, but how personal – is your teaching when you have stories like that you know mr richard you 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 talked about having you've known the mat you've known the poor dad self right uh how personal is it when you get into practitioner mode and you're amped and set for delivery are you fighting just for the student to learn or are you still like kicking that old self in the head (laughs) saying 
you will not win against people in my network. You won't win. You know, you're speaking out against everything, no? <laughs> great, great question. Um, I think it's uh, it's a bit of both. You know, I mean, having been there, done that, and um, having been blessed to come out of that and be in a better place, you know, in my life and have, um, you know, um, done a number of financially smart things um, behind a number of financially unsmart things um, is, you, you know, you, you feel empowered and you want to share that knowledge and information with anyone, you know, that will listen. And certainly, you know, anyone that's starting out on their financial journey that you can provide, you know, some framework, some financial nuggets, some logic, um, uh, and, and just have the conversation, you know, uh, earlier, you know, as we were talking, we were talking about financial literacy is not a secret. So it's important for us to be able to have the open discussion around financial literacy. And when I'm in a room with people that want to talk about financial topics, um, yeah, I do get pretty excited about it because uh, I love to talk about the stuff and, you know, I love to learn. Uh, and I, I love to help others, you know, learn the subject as well. So it's a bit of both. And what about for you and your and your preaching pastor sometimes? So and a teaching pastor for Bible studies and such. How personal is this this animus of of debt and dream killing and delay and stagnation and hopelessness a part of your fury when you go out? I have not thought about about that uh, and from that perspective, but that's a good point, and that's probably true. I know that I have, uh, I regret that finances is such a hush-hush topic, that it's improper to talk about it, and people are embarrassed to talk about it. And so I have gotten over the personal embarrassment of talking about it. I just, I pretty much will say everything I know and tell all the details of my personal story because it's got to be talked about. If we're just, you know, vaguely around the edges saying some principles, uh, I'm just afraid it's not connecting as much as it needs to. But am I doing it because I don't want other people to go through what I went through? Uh, clearly, that is uh, a motivation that I probably haven't even recognized as much as you're uh, explaining it right now. But yes. So seeing that people don't have to go through this, they don't have to go through running up the dead and all of that. You mentioned, the, uh, Mr. Richard, you mentioned the ter terminology of being blessed to come out of that. That's your quote there. You juxtapose that with, in financial literacy, there are no secrets, right? And so what if someone didn't have to go through that? Then that motivates you to... Go out and be firing brimstone against ignorance in the world, and <laughs> why why do people have to go through that and have it be sucked dry and and have to start over at thirty six or fifty or whatever it might be just to have a, a wholesome, robust financial life, personal financial life? Um, I guess what what I would say to you against that uh, question, Heath, is um, there's emotional decisions that go along with life and you know and the the life that we live in is very 
materialistic in terms of how it's communicated to to society on a day in day out basis bigger is better get the new shiny thing you know oh get this new widget you know the best phone the bigger tv bigger bigger faster better more and you just get bombarded with i want that i need that i deserve that and so the emotional play of of the 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 needs versus the wants you know it 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 overtakes folks you know so you've got to be a very strong disciplined person and i, I don't want to even say strong you have to be a very disciplined person um to to pay yourself first you know to create that that um savings plan uh to pay down your debt now to to your question of you know if somebody's starting out and they don't have debt you know i mean yeah that's a great place to be and a great starting point so if you can have a conversation with someone that is in no debt and is starting out on their financial journey and and you can position that person with framework and tools and knowledge on on how to make um uh, cash flow work for you, how to make income work for you, how to make net, how to look at net worth and, and wealth creation. Man, that's really powerful, uh, a powerful place to be in. But along the road, there's going to be the test of things. <laughs> how would you add to that, Dr. Mark? Well, I think as Robert Kiyosaki in his book says that we we just don't talk about it when people are children, when they're 5, 10, 12, uh, 18. We don't teach it in the schools. Uh, parents generally have the concept that that's, the kids don't need to know about this and this is too personal. And besides, nobody taught me, so I don't really, I'm not confident I know what I should really be telling them. And so it's just... Uh, a, a very sensitive topic for so many people that we just stay away from it and there's you know there's so many ways to invest and so many risks to investing and I'd hate to give somebody advice and they end up in more trouble and so it just is a topic that very few people want to talk about and you're a proponent of the 80-10-10 principle or self-guiding principle uh, can you unpack that briefly uh, alluded to it a little earlier in our conversation, and that is a principle of taking your paycheck and dividing it into three parts, a 80%, a 10%, and a 10%. So let me do one of the 10s and the 80s first. One of the 10s is I'm a person that practices tithing. I believe there's some long-term and short-term benefits in being generous and being a philanthropist. And so a uh, tenth of my income, as uh, Richard referred to, the first tenth of mine goes to my church the uh, 80% is that part that I alluded to that everybody else can have that you know I get some benefit because I'll give it to the landlord but I get a roof over my house but I don't end up with the money anymore she's got it all right so I'll give it to the grocery store I'll give it to the restaurant I get a short-term benefit but the money is gone that last 10%, and this is what really kind of helped us get on the right track is that 10% where you put your dibs on it 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm the one that worked for this. I'm the one that put up with my boss. I'm the one that drove out in the snowstorm. I'm the one that, you know, everybody does not get all of my money. I get 10% of it, and it's that's it. I just put my foot down here that this begins my kitty. This begins my savings program. This is the beginning of uh, a life that I want to live, and that 80-10-10 uh, was a part of the transformation in our lives where we just stopped giving everything away and ending up with nothing uh, that was an improvement over when we were spending 110 percent you know putting everything extra on those credit cards you know because we we'd say yeah we can handle that monthly budget but then we didn't factor into uh, we can handle the monthly payment but we didn't factor into a, a tire going flat you know and so that's where the credit card comes out and you take care of that and we'll take care of that later paying that off so the 80-10-10 principle was a part of what my wife and I adopted that really began to get that kitty and so we still practice it today the tenth of everything we make goes into a retirement goes into a place where I can't touch it don't want to touch it and just want it to keep building to uh, become a part of that uh, forced savings that planned savings that becomes my uh, net worth This podcast was recorded at Prince George's Community Radio, located on the campus of Prince George's Community College. The music for the podcast has been provided by David Smalls, and the PG Daily is executively produced by David Smalls. Join us next time for more financial empowerment.